Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, a podcast where we talk about the business of video production. Well, Judith, thank you for uh, joining us on Creatives Grab Coffee. You know, as uh, Dario mentioned, you are our second guest for the 2022 season. And uh, just wanted to see, like, how has everything been with you? How has uh, the year kicked off so far? Honestly, I'm just getting introduced to you guys. And uh, this is a really cool idea. I don't know. Where are you located? Are you in Canada? Are you in, in the U.S.? Where are you guys? At? We're in Toronto. We're, we're close Toronto to you. As well. Okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's been weird, man. Um, we had, like, probably the biggest January on books prepared nice. in December and then everything got canceled. Like oh really? Everything got canceled. Oh um, wow. With the new lockdowns. Um without mentioning some of the clients, like there were some pretty cool ones that we were working on for almost a year and a bit to get these sort of uh deals. Oh um, man just shut down. So I'll be honest with you, it, it was frustrating and annoying because that's two years in a row where that sort of happened. Yeah. Um, and although that happened, I mean, I, I gotta be grateful. I've got a great team around me that even though with the lockdowns and everything, we still had, you know, every year increasing and growing almost by double. So even though it's, it was a frustrating January, uh, you know, I can see some things already, uh, moving forward down the pipeline. So Uh, that's, that sucks to hear. Like we, we actually did, we were in the post, uh, production process right now for a pretty big project uh that took up like all of our january but nice. us too like at the, like we're uh, sure end of december we were like oh my god i don't think it's gonna go through because they were announcing the lockdowns were like okay it's not happening <laughs> damn it this sucks and then i was know. skeptical till day, uh, up until even even <laughs> on the first day of shooting i'm like is it still happening i know we're here filming but is it happening or <laughs> yeah you know, we had some great projects that we filmed in like November, December that we, you know, are still kind of working on the post-production for, mm-hmm. but um, you know how it is in the film industry. It's, it's yeah. a pipeline, right? It's a conveyor belt. If that conveyor belt stops, it's like it, you create this huge gap and now it's time to do the whole catch-up dance again, which we should actually formally name the catch-up dance <laughs> by Heinz or something. Oh, oh yeah a new marketing idea for them right <laughs> how do you handle like that happening to you how do you like keep your your positive energy up because i mean if we didn't get if our project for january didn't go through i'm not gonna lie it would have been a pretty big downer yes so i'm just curious how you would have dealt with it um you know i i personally believe that the best policy is transparency. Um, I'm not here to give you a, an Instagram account of the life where it's like all the good things. Man, it was rough. It was an emotional roller coaster. These are things, like I said, we were working on for almost a year and a half to to lock in. And then at the snap of a finger, it's like, nope, all done. We you can't do this. And man, just my whole team. I had uh, I had other teams lined up because it was a big project to to come in and do this as well it's not just food on my table like sinking uh, or rising tide raises all ships so Mm -hmm. but that being said you know once you do go through that emotion one thing i believe of myself is that you know quality and persistence equals success 
Like you do things with quality and you do them consistently, it's almost guaranteed that you will have success. So, you know, fine, it's done. Let's get back to what made things work in the first place. Just continue to chat, talk to people, connect, create quality, and then things will, will pick up by themselves. And, and we're seeing that right now. In fact, you know, I had an opportunity 2020 at the end of 2021, it was probably the busiest time I've ever had in my career, 10 years, which is a blessing. But, you know, I was like, man, I, I'm going to need a break pretty soon. And then I got it. And now I'm complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I did take that time to, you know, sit down with the team and, and really think about what are our next steps moving forward, which is something we wanted to do for a long time. We just we just never had time to sit down. And we came up with a plan. Now we have uh, a way to move forward and we can see the next five years kind of unfolding. And, um, and that was, that's great. So, you know, in every cloud, there's a silver lining, just not to be too cliche, but it's really about perspective. How can you use things to create opportunities rather than sulking and sitting back and saying, oh, we didn't get what we wanted. We went through something similar at the beginning of the pandemic is from, yeah. I remember March till June, our, our books were like empty, right? Yeah. And I remember for a good three months, we we're just sitting around not doing anything. And I know a lot of the other guests we've spoken to were in the exact same spot. Yeah. So that that's actually what prompted us to kind of sit down and do a complete audit of our business and try to restructure it from like the ground up, right? The one thing that kind of like kept us uh, afloat and kind of like getting back into the rhythm and, you know, keeping sane was doing our own content. And that's one thing that we noticed that you also do. Like we took a look at like some of the blog posts that you've written on uh, black and white media. And do you feel like whenever you have those slow moments, you know, like, especially now, like you kind of um, fall back onto that where it's like, Oh, how can I work on myself? How can I work on my business and develop content? Is that kind of like a little bit of what you do when that happens? Yeah. It's, it's a good thing to, continually push your limits and push your bar and you know when you're doing client work that's not usually the best time to really try new things and and yeah. uh and really push yourself you you want to make sure that you can give them what they're looking for and uh give them the quality so yeah it, it is a great opportunity to really not just work on you know yourself and the business but really push yourself to a new level see where you can take it uh, you were asking me about the beginning of COVID, but this was the this was the thing. This is why you have a good team around you. So we sat down like two weeks before the the first lockdown, and we saw what was kind of going down on a global scale. And it was before the lockdown we actually created a new website that oh. was dedicated to live streaming because we saw it. We were like, you know, this is coming. And we didn't know exactly how long it was. Like nobody did how long it would be, what it was going to take. But I was like, okay, we have skills in cinematography. We, ha we have the sort of artistic eye, but not a lot of people understand the technical components of what it takes to do a live broadcast. Even through something like Zoom, um, with my background and I've done television production, my partner has um, done productions from all over the world with like Google and New York Fashion Week and stuff like that. And we combine those things to create this really cool um, new brand where it wasn't just about giving a live stream 
experience. It was about creating a cinematic live stream experience and something okay. that wasn't just, you know, webcams pointed, but thinking about the set design, thinking about the lighting, thinking about, you know, what's the vision for this. Um, and a lot of people appreciated that. A lot of people, <laughs> to be honest, couldn't understand at the beginning. Why, why do I need this? I can just do a Zoom call. Um, but pretty quickly they realized, oh, you know, having 50 people on a Zoom call may not be the best solution here to do a presentation. Um, but yeah, that's how that's how we kind of filled in some of that gap in 2020. Is this like a, is this part of black and white media or is it kind of independent of, uh, of uh, the business? So how we do, how we structured that is it's another company called On The Dot Studios and it's with the same team, but we wanted to um, compartmentalize those two things because they're not necessarily the same, mm -hmm. but uh, it's sort of this umbrella where there's black and white media and then underneath that, um, we, we do marketing as well. So like video marketing specifically, but then we also have this on the dot where it is, um, geared towards live streaming and, um, and, you know, video virtual conferencing, things like that. So you guys do the cinematic live stream. Yes. Um, you have the video marketing and you also have the video production. Yes. Like, how do you, how do you handle, like, that's a lot of endeavors, right? Like how, how yes. big is your team? Like, how do you, how do you handle all this? So we have three key roles. Um, obviously, we have a, a head producer, myself, director, and I run a lot of the business components. And then I have a cinematographer who is sort of a genius at everything technical and when it comes to camera, gears, lighting, and all that. And then we do have people that we subcontract depending on the scale of the project to handle certain things at different times. Um, we also have editors, drone pilots, and again, all depending on scale of projects. But one thing that is important is having people around you that you can trust, that you mm -hmm. can ask, hey, I need this done. Can you do it? And if they say yes, you, you can put your hands up and say, and trust that it's going to get done. Um, whether that's a small team, a big team, even the contractors that you work with, you, wanna, you want these people in your circle. And, you know, luckily I've been able to build that. Yeah. Having, having the right people around you is, is so important. And it's like, it's kind of hard to find at times, right? Like being able to yeah. find like, the right editor that you're like, okay, this guy's reliable. Anytime I got a big project, I can always like, I can always call them up and they're, they're good for me. Like, it's so hard to build that. How long have you, do you, would you say taking you to build um, a roster of creatives that you can, reliably like bring on to a project oh it's it's constantly evolving man it's i don't i would never say it's ever built mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> you know people people come and go um but uh again not not to toot my horn i had a coach playing soccer back in the day i had a coach that told me a great player isn't somebody who uh can do all the tricks or even score all the goals. A great player is somebody who knows their strengths and their weaknesses and they play to their strengths and build their weaknesses. So for me, a great strength is um, understanding people and it, and it works well as a director as well. When you're trying to get emotions, when you're trying to really get people to bring out their best, that is a skill. And it's the same skill required to find the right people to work with. Um, 
if I can say, I don't know if I'm like, I can sniff out the bullshit, right? There are a lot of people who talk the talk, um, can't, walk the walk. Know, can't walk the walk, or, you know, they're just, they're just bad people. So uh, we don't want that around. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. So, yeah. Positive energy is so key. And um, it's, it definitely is a hard thing to kind of find nowadays uh luckily it's uh, if you know what you're looking for it's very easy to spot as you mentioned you know when there are like certain red flags that pop up you know like it, this is not just with people uh you work with but also you know like the the potential people that you encounter down the road you know who you interact with who you um you know grow with and yeah it's just it's it's pretty crazy yeah i forget who said it but you know my dad used to drill this into me says, show me your friends and I'll show you your life. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, there's know, a saying, there's like, a, I think there's like that specific saying where it's like, uh, who you are as a person is also determined by like the people you surround yourself with. So that is always a very good clean indicator of, you know, people's personalities and the type of people that they hang out with. Right. Yeah, and 100%. same thing in, in the business world, you know, like who you work with. It's like, that is a style of work that you have, you know, it's like almost like a a smaller brand that you kind of see spread throughout the people. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys, am I, I'm asking you questions now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go for it. Sort of uh, partners in your business or yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah from, you... We're a partnership. We, uh, well, we started doing videos together for the student groups at Ryerson and um, that was, that was going really well. And we, we were both part of the business program, right? So I was doing business unlocked. I was doing marketing. And then once we graduated, we're like, I don't know. Let's give it a, let's give it a shot for like a year. Let's see where it goes. And see that what was, happens. Uh, yeah. That was about what, six, seven years ago now, Kirill? Yeah. About, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy kind of where it's come and, you know, <clears throat> and we've mentioned like in some of our previous episodes that like the first few years, it was almost like as if we were two freelancers that worked together a lot. And then up when, until, I would say up until uh, 2020. Well, yeah. Up until COVID hit yeah. basically when COVID hit, it basically forced us to re to reevaluate everything, basically tear down the business and rebuild it right back up again, you know, and uh, that that's when, you know, like when we mentioned the first few months when nothing was happening, we were just like talking a lot, thinking a lot, trying to figure out what, what to do and what could we expect, you know, with everything being so uncertain. Right. And, you know, like, like you 2021 was our most successful year to date and which is, Right. kind of crazy to think considering you know with all the restrictions that there have been right yeah can you one of the things and i i don't like to dwell on what ifs and what could have been but can you imagine how cool it would have been if 2021 had no restrictions and there was nothing going on like how yeah. big would it have been for so many companies i i talked to they still had a great year but it's like it's like trying to do a, a olympic race with a with a cast on your leg <laughs> I, I feel like for us it's actually been i think the lockdowns kind of helped us just because of the particular situation we were in where it's like okay 2020 we finally spoke to a lot of people in the industry we're like okay if we're gonna restart this this is kind of like the right way to go about it and then 2021 was just kind of like okay focus on it like slowly develop it and then it worked out but 2022 without lockdowns or restrictions will be very good for uh, for us at yeah. least yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> but I can only imagine for other businesses though, how bad it's been, like or how restraining it's been. Film industry, we still technically were allowed to work. Um, 
but you know, I have a lot of friends who own restaurants who, um, you know, who were in areas where it was just completely shut down and yeah, they, they're struggling. So, uh, you know, the, uh, you mentioned the, actually it's, you're really smart for seeing, uh, where, where, where we were heading and like starting up the cinematic live stream, uh, live streaming element of your business. we actually had another guest, the previous, the first guest for this year, uh, Bridget from the uh, video productions. She actually also did something similar where she pivoted more so into animation work. Yeah. And now she's like mostly doing that. So she went from, I think it was like 90% live action, like maybe 10% animation to now it's the opposite way. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if is, um, have you kind of done the same in a way or is it just like another like part of it that you offer like has it has it grown to the point where it's more than what you were doing before or just kind of like an extra additional thing yeah i'm i mean i've always offered animation um well, not, not animation but the the oh, cinematic live streaming the live streaming oh, um no it's still still to date um the production is you know the bread and butter yeah, um, we have we do have some amazing clients in the live stream. Um, we actually helped a bank this year. We built them a studio inside their bank, and 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 we were doing live streams because they go out to BNN. They do like global financial economic forums, and so they actually saw the benefit of not just showing up on a webcam with crappy audio. So we built them a studio. In their bank and help them operate it which is so smart so smart and the ceo anytime he has important meetings everyone comments on how amazing he looks and how clear his sound is and uh that alone for me is is a success it's almost surprising that that's not like the standard with a lot of these bigger organizations where they have they have the capital to fund this Correct. and uh I, I don't know what necessarily it could be but like like that should be the standard at that point. They should be like setting the example, especially when they're interacting with so many different clients, uh, networks, everything, you know? <laughs> you know, now that it's built, it's super easy. We built it. So you push a button, it's everything <clears throat> turns on and you hit go live and it's done, but it still looks really good. So I, you know, I this is a battle that I've had many times. <laughs> question though, because you've built now that, that whole setup for them. Um, do you at least continue to do work with them though? Um, okay. You do. Okay. That's good. Yeah, in fact, I'm, I'm going there next week again, and we've, it's been about eight <coughs> months of building this space and yeah. uh, the relationship has only gotten stronger and they've seen different ways that we can be helpful, not just with this one thing. So, yeah. um, and, and that's it for me. This, this whole business is relationships. Yeah. We like the one thing we've noticed is that essentially we've all um, we're not only just like providing a service, we're actually solving problems for our clients. And I feel like the more and more problems and challenges that we solve for them, the stronger the relationships kind of grow. And, um, you know, as a result, like, I'm just curious, like, how do you typically go about, you know, like finding out the big challenges that a lot of your clients are typically facing? Like when they come to you with, you know, we're trying to do this, we think this is what we need to do. Uh, do you dive further into that and kind of see if that is what they need fixed or is it kind of something else that you're trying to do? Yeah, often uh, video is just the gateway into what the real issues are. Um, so we have a, a really extensive uh, interview consultation portion where we, we give our clients questionnaires. 
we really dig deep to understand what the pain points are. Because, uh, you know, if we, if we make this great looking video and it's cinematic and beautiful, but it solves absolutely nothing, then it's, it's a waste of time and money and it looks bad on us. So um, our, for me, the actual production, which, you know, is the sexy part of filmmaking is the tip of the iceberg, the planning, the pre-production, uh, getting yep. to know your clients, building that relationship. That to me is where the work is at. And, and then the post-production as well. How do you deal with the, like, okay, the, because that, I agree with what, uh, 100% what you said. And it's something that we've been also trying to integrate into our business. But I feel like a lot of times we're hitting this resistance where like, they just want, no, no, no. We just need this like one video. Like I get, yeah, there's a bigger problem, but you know, maybe we don't want to deal with it or <laughs> have the money for it. So how do you- At least occasionally. Like occasionally, yeah, not always, not with every client, but yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that's a big obstacle that you've probably had to face yourself, right? Yes and no. Um, so, again, with the skill of being able to communicate with people and read people, um, you you have to know who you're talking to, and there have been times where I've used this tactic where I've also used it on my kids. Um, not that they've ever done this, but just as an example, my kid, I see her about to touch the stove and I say, don't touch that. That's hot. And she looks at me and says, okay. And then I see her hand going slowly. At that point, I, I wouldn't do anything. I would almost let her touch it just so she understands what, why I say no. And it's the same uh -huh. idea in, with certain clients. When I can see they think this is what they want. And I say, that's not what you want. And then they go do it anyway. I've had so many people who come back to me after and said, okay, now I get it. Oh, when right. they've done a project and failed. So I'd rather work with a client that understands why we do what we do and why we're the experts. If they're coming at us and, and you know, they, they've solved all their problems already, according to them, then, then why do you hire an expert? Just, just go do it. So, you know, sometimes it's better to let them make the mistake and, and figure out, okay, this yeah. is why we need these people. Um, and other times, depending on, you know, how the relationship is, you can gently suggest, hey, if you really want to solve this problem, this is the solution we think is going to work best. And if that trust is there, if that relationship has been built, they'll say, okay, let's, how can we do that? What, how do we explore that option? Is there like a limit also in terms of how much resistance you're willing to kind of tolerate with some people? Because, um, um, like for, like, as you said, you can give them the suggestion, they go make the mistake, they can come back. Um, cause there have been times where at least, uh, with some leads where we've had, you know, exploratory calls like this on zoom, where we've talked to them, uh, really trying to dive deep and understand their business and they're explaining it to us. And we're trying to kind of but they're not explaining it to the point where we can understand it. And we're trying to figure out what the problem is when you start getting these resi this resistance of like, oh, why do you need to know so much about this and this is like, this has nothing to do with what we asked you for. And then we're trying to say like, we're trying to figure out what's the right position for you. But then we realized clearly they're not really either not serious or not really understanding everything. So we just decided, you know, okay, you know, clearly you guys need something a little different from what we provide. So we kind of like, yeah. when our separate ways like do you feel like that happens uh, occasionally with you as well 
Yeah, absolutely. There have been times where we've had to walk away because we knew we'd end up being a bad situation. There are other times where I feel it's appropriate to stamp my authority on a conversation. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, that, that sounds bad, but sometimes in the business world, especially, you're dealing with high-level CEOs, C-level people who are normally the ones giving the instructions. And they're the ones who are telling other people what to do. So, you know, I, I've had this experience where someone has contacted me, you know, they're used to being, you know, telling people what to do. And I'm like, listen, you know, call somebody else if you want to, if you want to tell them what to do. If you're calling me, it's because my team is the expert and you need the help. And if you want to, and if you want to work in that dynamic, I'm happy to help you. If not, let's, uh, let's part ways. And that sort of woke them up a little bit. And they're like, okay, I'm sorry. How can, how can we do this? And then it like softened up to ask questions again. That's, that's a huge gamble, but you got to know is. who you're talking to. And, uh, and then you can have that mutual respect. I was, I was going to say like, that's, that's a great tactic. Uh, I'm just curious because that's not exactly something that casually comes up in conversation. So just, just to let you know, you know, <laughs> this is how it is for, for us, right? Like, is there something that you kind of like look for typically with them, you know, where like you're noticing this behavior, or you feel like they would be potentially open. Cause you, like you said, it's a gamble to go with that approach, but is there something yeah. that you can have to feel them out, Kirill, right? Yeah. Like, again, like you, you have to know how to read. Yeah. So you could, you, I think you obviously get a vibe where it's like, okay, this yeah. person willing to listen as long as I sell myself, like they'll be willing to accept kind of what I'm saying versus like, there's some people where you just talk to and you're like, Hey, they're just stubborn at this point. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Fair enough. There's a lot, there's a bit of pride involved in that as well. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're going outside for some help, um, it, it's almost like some people feel like if they're asking for help, it, they're failing, but that's not the case. You mm -hmm. know, I'm not a dentist. If I try to pull my own tooth out and I fail at it, it's, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'll go see a dentist. He's the expert. I can't tell him how to do his job. So, you know, that's the, that's the kind of relationship that I'm looking for at the beginning. Are you looking for an expert or are you looking for somebody that you can control and tell them what to do for the most part? Now, again, with the balance, um, I want my clients and my customers input. I want to be collaborative with them so that we work together towards a common goal, but mm -hmm. you, you don't want to end up fighting at every decision and every yeah creative piece that for something that you know that should be decided just like this yeah. yeah it never works for anyone it's a mutual respect essentially that what we're always looking for as you hit it right on the head we're looking for that collaborative kind of partnership where we're working towards a common goal you know we're not here to combat each other that's not the goal <laughs> That's right. Uh, Gita, why don't you give us a little background on like how you guys started in the business? Because you said you've been doing this for what, 10 years now? Yeah, been in the film industry for about 10 years. Man, how do I make this story short? I... <laughs> okay, let me see. Um, Cliff Notes version. <laughs> Cliff Notes, <laughs> yeah. So I actually grew up in the US and in, in uh, Florida is where I was at last. And um, in the United States, we have these programs in high school called uh, magnet programs. Um, you can go to a specific school. You can apply to a school outside of your district if you want to go to that school for a skill. So if you're in drama and a school has a drama, really good drama program, you can apply to go there. 
mm. um, for sciences, all the different things. I happened to go to a school, so I didn't apply, that had a TV production program. Mm. And so they had their own studio, they had their own channel, and this was their sort of magnet program. And I ended up going to this school and I happened into a class where um, one of the teachers saw I was a great communicator and he's like, hey, why don't you come and try being an anchor on one of our shows? <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a try. Went over like, like butter. It was so smooth. And then I just fell into like the whole creative process of creating film and creating art and TV shows and things like that. It was beautiful. Now, at the time, I was also um, like at a high level of soccer. Like I was with the U.S. United States Youth Soccer Program. Um, I went to university on a full scholarship for soccer. I ended up leaving to go play professionally in Belgium. Oh, wow. So film kind of was a back burner thing. I, I didn't know what was going on with that. But through circumstances and injuries and whatnot, I ended up back here in Canada where my wife is from, from Mississauga. And I always thought I was going to end up back in the UK. So I was living in London. London's my mm-hmm. heart home. Um, and we ended up here to figure out what was next. And uh, in the meantime, I was figuring out, I was like, hey, there, there's a lot of production going on here. Let me just go onto a movie set and see what's going on. So I started volunteering on movie sets, doing some background work. I got a couple of small parts and commercials and whatnot. And I started noticing that, you know, I had zero say on what was happening creatively, even though I had a ton of ideas, (laughs) (laughs) but nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Like, you know, I got to start my own thing if I want to have any creative say. And that's when uh, I started Black and White Media almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years in 2023 mm-hmm. and uh, slowly built up to what it is today. Yeah, Kirill's uh, big into soccer. So when he saw that you did some work for TFC on, on, on the, on your oh, website, yeah. Yeah. Just, you should have seen how big his eyes got. Where I'm like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, I got questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's cool though. When I first came to Canada, I ended up playing with TFC. So I still had some connections in there. Oh, nice. And that's how, uh, that's how that happened. So yeah, that's good. You said you went to Belgium. Was it um, the the Belgian one league? Like which team were you playing for there? Yeah, I was playing with a club called Westerlo, and I actually was okay. with Anderlecht for a while um, while I was over there. And like I said, lots of injuries, naive eighteen yeah. year old. It was a life experience. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always been the big risk when it, when it comes to soccer. Like I used to play when I was younger as well, but not to that level, obviously. Right. But, uh, you know, still have that same kind of passion. I, I completely understand what it is. You know, even with the injuries, you just try to keep pushing, right? That's it. That's it. Who's your team then? This is a big question. The oh, no, question. I didn't. I didn't want to get to that. You said you're from London. So I'm, I'm I feel like I have to guess which uh, which Don't club you were. My team. I want to know what your team is. Uh, should we do same time or is that it or what? OK. All right. On three. All right. Three, three, two, one. United. Man United. Hey! <laughs> My man. <laughs> there we go. I, I was expecting a, a London team. I lived in London, but you know what? I'm originally from Trinidad. And yeah. so by default, because of Dwight York being on Man United, it's like you, you had to be a Man United fan. All right. All right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I get it. For me, it was uh, Dimitar Berbatov because he's Bulgarian. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. my background. So Berbatov is class, man. Uh, the, the touch of a god, you know? That's right. <laughs> touch of a god. <laughs> 
Why do they oh, say touch God. of a God? Because his first touch was the most insane first touch you will ever see where like the ball could be flying at like ridiculous speeds and he would just very casually stop it as if it was as if he was like just grabbing something off the table. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you some I'll show you some highlights later, Dario. But OK, yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah. Elegant, elegant emotion. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it the just going back to, to video stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Um, are you the only one that runs the company or do you have any partners? Oh, yeah. he says so, one. Yeah, oh, we, have, we have three of us and it's oh, okay. the, the yeah. producer, myself and the cinematographer are the three key uh, people and the partners. Yeah. Did you guys all start at the same time? No, no, I, I was pretty, I was solo pretty much until we started this, um, this project with on the dot studios, the live event. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, working with a team on, on that close level, it can either work or it can go up in flames pretty quickly. <laughs> so yeah. seeing that it was working, we're like, we got to we got to put this together. And uh, another thing, I'm full of cliches, guys, just just accept. <laughs> no, I, I like writing them down. You have some really good ones. They're classics yeah. like they're actually they're actually kind of nice. So the, the, the saying is, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you go together. So yeah, oh, okay. um, like, yeah, I, I like working with a team for a common goal and all going in the same direction. It's just really cool. Yeah. That was... perfect... Oh, sorry, Carol, go ahead. No, sorry, you're good. I was, I was going to say like, that's like, okay, you did almost a decade by yourself, right? I mean, obviously you have a team and everything, but not partner level right and then now like now you have like two extra partners right like was that like uh like uh, did you how did you how did you just decide like okay i'm i'm done being by myself i want to add more people like weren't you scared maybe of like okay if i do this this could go bad because i think statistically that's usually what ends a business right so it's not like a light casual decision right yes yes and you know no matter how nice somebody is, you are going to butt heads when you're working in, or living or in any sort of close proximity, you're never going to agree on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I look for in anyone that I work with from partners down to like a PA is how do you deal with criticism? How do you deal with um, like hard issues? Because, you know, we live in this fake world where everybody seems nice. They got the Instagram life, but you put a man under pressure and that's when you see the real qualities come out. And on yeah. a film set, let me tell you something, there is pressure and you can see people's true characteristics come out. Uh, so it doesn't take very long to learn who people truly are. Um, I happen to work with some people who thrive under pressure, who can take, you know, criticism, who are able to uh, learn from mistakes and, and not dwell on, on, you know, people, other people making mistakes as well. Those kind of characteristics you cannot pay for. Those are things that um, are just gold, honestly. So do you find it's, uh, you've, you guys still maintain that collaborative aspect? Have you guys butted heads now that you guys are all at the same, same level? Or, but you guys are able to work through it pretty easily, yeah. right? I'm getting, okay, I see what I'll you're tell saying. you what, you know, we won't get into the politics, but the first day I worked with these guys, we were, we were doing a project for Shopify 
out in Ottawa and we were, it was a two day event staying in a hotel. We're having dinner. And for the first time working with them, uh, one of the guys said, how do you feel about Donald Trump? I'm like, good God. (laughs) (laughs) We got into like the craziest debates on the first night. And, you know, that's how, for me, I, I know that I can work with people because you are always going to have different opinions. Yeah. But if, if still you can um, love that person and think of them and respect that person and respect their differences, that's a great way to live life, not just work in a company. Um, so I took that to heart. We, we challenge each other. We butt heads all the time, but I think it, it makes you better. I, I don't like working around people who are yes men. It's just, yeah, yeah, like that's yeah. the whole reason you get into a partnership with anyone or you work with certain people. You want to work with people that are different or provide another skill set that you potentially don't have uh, because you're never going to find another you. You're, like that never happens. And even if you did, you may not like them, you know, or you might butt even more heads with them if they're exactly like you. Right. Um, and like you said, you don't want yes men. And like, I remember when Dario and I first started working together, it was like one of those very similar situations where it was just kind of like, you know, we were just starting out, but like, you know, like I, we noticed that even though we have a lot of the same interests, you know, but we're also very, like also very different in a lot of other ways. And I'm like, okay, there's potential for this to grow into something bigger down the road. Let's see kind of like where it goes. At least that's how I saw it. And, you know, like you said, you go fast by yourself or you, um, or what was it? The, the second part? You want to go fast, you go by yourself, but if you want to go far, you go together. Exactly. Yeah. And like, maybe like uh, it was like a slower burn in the beginning because it was the two of us trying to figure things out together, but now it's starting to go even further than probably what we expected originally. Yeah. Cause at the beginning we were still like, we were students. friends, but yeah. friends, students were still learning the tricks of the trade. And then we're also now working together, which is, which was weird at first. Like we had to learn each other's, uh, uh, a work relationship right because yeah. it's different when you're friends versus when you're working together right right That's but then true. like you know the i guess we clicked pretty well with that and like even now like we both know each other's strengths and weaknesses and we use that to our advantage so it works out pretty smoothly at the end of the day like sure we butt heads at the end of the day but as long as we throw like a sopranos reference at the end of that like it's good to go you know <laughs> it alleviates so it transparency too like um one thing I appreciate is that we don't let anything fester amongst our team. Yeah. It's a lot of people just let things fester and it turns into resentment. Mm. And that's when, that's when it can burn down the walls of a, of a relationship and the business. So we always practice a policy. If, if somebody has some grievances, just bring them to the table and let's figure it out. Yeah. Always important to squash that right away. Cause like you said, that's gonna like that negativity that, um, those grievances are going to translate into the work, into the way they communicate with other people and the business can suffer as well. Not only in the relationships. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, and luckily we've always been pretty upfront with each other. So anytime it's like, I don't think we've ever let something go like, okay. Okay. No, yeah, like yeah, at yeah. the most, yeah. It's like you give it like a, an hour to like sleep on it or something, you know, or, you know, it's like cool down. It's like, all right, this is what happened. Let's, let's figure this out right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably the best lesson I've taken away from soccer is that yeah. in a team setting, you know, 
I would have coaches yelling and screaming and saying the worst things in the world. But, you know, after that passes through, after that passes, you, you realize they, they want the best for you. They're trying to pull the best out of you. And so despite how they say the things that they do, you got to just, you know, take the criticism. What can I take out of this? And then, and then build on it. So I wonder if you're, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, it makes so much sense that he went from soccer to like, yeah, like video production. Cause it's like, you're dealing with the same thing, except instead of kicking a ball around, you're creating a video. Right. But it's still teamwork. Yes. It's still leadership. It's still, it's still a lot of those elements well that's the like you trained for this <laughs> yeah that's that's part of the beauty of the of the sport of uh, soccer as well as or any team sport is because a lot of the life lessons and a lot of the uh relationships that you build or like how you build relationships how you work with other people you know translate into other parts of uh your life and uh and like everyone has a role you know you you're brought onto a team everybody has a certain job you have to excel in it but you also have to work as a unit with the rest, you know, and that's how a film set is. That's how a production set is. You know, you have the camera ops, the audio ops, the makeup, the editors, the producers, the works, you know, like everybody has a job, but it's all a team that has to mesh together. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I saw another thing. I, I saw a thing on your LinkedIn and um, what you said earlier, kind of connected the dots for me. Uh, Cause I remember early on, you're like, you saw what was coming with the pandemic. So you did the live streaming. And I, I just saw the other day on LinkedIn that you're also now accepting crypto as payment, right? Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, I, I'm very interested, if I can say it mildly, in sort of the global economic state, especially after COVID. Um, so I listen to a lot of experts in finance <laughs> as a weird hobby. <laughs> What's what's uh, what are like the top two you like to listen to? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and um, who's the other one? So uh, this podcast, Jordan Harbinger, the Jordan Harbinger podcast. Harbinger. He t- Harbinger, yeah. He actually frequently has guests on that talk about not just uh, cryptocurrency, but what it means on sort of a global scale. So he talks about all the uh, a ton of different. Um, relevant topics, but very much is dialed into the world economic state we're in right now. So I appreciate those two listening to them very much. Um, I'm trying to think who who another one might be. In any case, um, they're all of the belief that the future is going to be in cryptocurrencies. Now, that's going to take a long time and there are going to be a ton of ups and downs to get to a place where this is sort of a a globally recognized use but it is headed in that direction and the people who are going to benefit the most or maybe or maybe lose the most but definitely those who will benefit are those who are the early adopters and people who are um you know creating new ways to use this uh this method of payment so um I have another friend who owns a software company and they hired an entire team of software developers in Iran and they pay them in cryptocurrency. And so they, they've never actually had to put money in. Um, they bought cryptocurrency when it was at its lowest. And even now that it's gone down, 
they're still making money from that and paying people out of it. So, you know, do your research, know what you're getting into. I'm not advising anybody on what to do. Disclaimer, do your research. <laughs> but for me, um, if people like Robert Kiyosaki are investing or at least diversifying into cryptocurrencies, then, you know, it's worth it for me to, to attempt to do that as well. How yeah. you uh, like, cause we, we, we got into crypto like uh, early September. I, yeah. I wish, I wish we got into it in July. Cause oh, yeah. oh my God, I, I'm telling you, I, I did fantasize about it going dipping <laughs> those levels. Like, There'll be more opportunities. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. But July dip was particularly sp- yeah. spectacular. Um, so we got into it in the, I'd say early September and yeah, just for personal investing stuff. Just to and, learn it. Yeah, we were actually we're actually just gonna start it for our company too to accept crypto. Uh, I was wondering, how are you accepting? Are you doing it through? Because um, I we we like we like crypto.com, and I know they have like a function there where you could actually send out invoices and accept it through their system. And I actually signed us up for that and all. Are you doing it through them, or how are you accepting? No, I, although I do trade in crypto.com as well, so I, I use three different things depending. Oh wait, wait, wait a minute! Before you go further, yes. which card do you have? You have the ruby. Sapphire, what are you at? I am not using a card of theirs. Oh, you're not, oh, okay. you're not using a card. Okay. Not using a card. So for me, I, I invest in crypto for the long term. I, I keep putting money in there. I've never taken, taken anything yeah. out so far. Yeah. Um, so I don't want access to it. I don't want to have it close by. I want to leave it in there for, yeah. for years. Um, that being said, uh, for accepting money, I had to set up a whole different thing. So this is where... I use uh, Coinbase mm. and Coinbase allows you to set up a wallet. And so I have a wallet for both Bitcoin and Ethereum, depending on businesses choose to use whichever one they want. Yeah. And then in my invoice from now moving forward in my invoices, I'll have that wallet QR code scannable in the uh-huh. invoice so that people can pay. Okay. So whether, whether they want it or not, the, the QR code for the wallet is there and they can choose to use that option if they'd like. I see. Okay. Okay interesting are you, which like one another option yeah yeah uh, are you um uh what are you accepting as payment like obviously bitcoin ethereum other just those two for now um those are you know the most stable at this time yeah and so you know if we get into all the little little options it, it can get pretty complicated but uh yeah just those two for now yeah i think crypto.com also released their it's not their own wallet but they're doing it in participation with another company like the the uh, they're selling cold wallets now uh yeah, but yeah. okay interesting interesting you know, are you doing anything else you know I'll you know be, a funny I'll story be honest with you it's more uh, i guarantee out of the you know however many thousands of transactions a year i might get one person that'll do it as a novelty but it's more of a publicity stunt than anything yeah. else that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we figured for now for now i think you know as things unfold um Especially, we are turning. We are going to turn this black and white media into an international company, setting up shop down in Florida as well. Um, then I think there will be way more use for that trade trading of that currency without the international bank fees, without all oh yeah moving yeah. money back and forth. I think that's where it would really come in handy. Well, if you're going to do it, Florida is the best place. They're open for crypto. Uh, but a funny, funny story about that. We we had a project uh, for this company called the uh, uh, oh shoot, what was the name? Tendermint, oh, Tendermint right? 
Mm-hmm. This was like in July before we got into crypto and yeah. they're like, yeah, we're like a crypto company. We're like this blockchain, blah, 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 blah. We're like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but okay, I can do your video, right? So we went to the video. <laughs> <laughs> two months later when we finally get into it i was like oh my god Kirill, these guys are huge like they're part of uh the uh adam adam network yeah like, oh, these guys are huge like holy shit like <laughs> yeah it was it was like a little easter egg thing and we were and then we were even like jokingly thinking it's like oh we should have accepted in- crypto <laughs> back then we would have doubled <laughs> the money by now great. oh my gosh <laughs> you know that's that amazing. that's that's the one curious thing is like, if you accept payment from a client, you know, like say for sake of argument, it was like a $10,000 project. Yeah. Would you have to time it when they pay you? Because what if they accidentally pay you on it when it's on a high at 10 K and then just drops down to like five. It's like, but he's in it for the long term. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But I'm just, <laughs> yeah, it is a gamble. And you know, like I said, it's more of a publicity stunt, but yeah, yeah. I feel, and so many experts that I've been listening to think that Bitcoin over the next decade could hit a million, could hit a million dollars per coin. And if that's the case, a $10,000 project to hit a million is not too bad for me. Yeah. Uh, Judah, you're coming up on your uh, 10 year anniversary. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the challenge, some of the, some of the bigger challenges you faced uh, up until this point, and maybe, some of the challenges you foresee yourself facing maybe in the next couple of years? Sure. Um, the biggest challenge that I've faced in my 10 years as an entrepreneur is myself. Um, there is no challenge like the challenge from yourself when you're at, when you're battling, can I do this? Is this the right decision? You're, you're always second guessing and questioning yourself. And I, I imagine that's not, that's not over. That's never going to be completely over. However, um, you know, winning those small battles every day builds confidence in your mind that I can do this. I am in the right position. It was never a matter of creativity. It was a matter of, you know, how do I talk to clients? How do I do this? How to do that? And man, there are lots of books on entrepreneurial uh endeavors and how to do things but you can't understand it until you're in it yep it's just like books on parenting they talk about all the things you can do tricks to help parent it doesn't matter what book you read when your kid comes out all that goes out the window and you have to be in it to understand it yeah so over the past 10 years the battle with myself not not anyone telling me anything, not any particular client. Um, it's just a state of mind that you have to try to get to, um, to get to the next step. I'll never forget um, my first sort of, for me at the time, it was a big project for like a thousand bucks, right? Yeah. Um, we remember those days. <laughs> yeah, remember those days. Uh, a friend of mine, had a clothing company, it was a sport clothing company. And he asked me, Hey, can you do this project? We just need some photos. At the time I was doing the whole thing, photos, website, you know, everything I could get my hands on. Asked me to do this project, which I had no business doing. I'll tell you right now, just, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that. It's easy, man. You should have seen me on YouTube tutorials all day and night and then i show up at the place 
did the job, made a few mistakes, but you know, you got it done. And for me, when I look at successful entrepreneurs, business people, they say yes. And sometimes they say yes, and then figure it out. But the people who say, I can't do it until I know how to do it. Those are the people that will fall and will fail. You, you've got to take the risk. You got to take the chance, say yes, and figure it out along the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, we completely agree. You know, like uh, when you're starting out, you don't like anyone who started out, didn't know the blueprint, right? You know, Steve Jobs didn't know what it was like with Apple, you know, like that it was going to become the next big thing. He just kind of went with it. Even I mean, granted though, like he was promising things that weren't actually working at the time. So, I mean, we we gotta, there's a line to be drawn, but yeah. But when it comes to like, you know, like if you have to film something within, within a certain style, you could do the research and then figure out how to kind of uh, replicate that, you know, as an example and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's funny when, whenever, when you mentioned like the first big job where you get like the most, like a lot of money for what it is. Like, I, I feel like we all remember that one thing when it's just like, when they finally say yes, and they want to take you on for that budget, it's just like, I could actually make this much money doing it. it like, didn't it feel like it was almost like a cheat code, you know, yeah. that you just kind of entered? Like that was that was how I felt when I made my first thousand bucks off of one job. Like, yeah. did not expect that. Yes, yeah, yeah. We've all we've all been there. You know, I I that's my kids home from school. If you hear screaming, that's all good. Um, I often say this on on social media platforms, but. You often have to look backwards, see where you came from to remember, you know, how far you've come. You know, we can get caught up on, oh, I'm not here. I'm, I haven't reached this goal or I haven't done this. But all you have to do is look where you started and see how far you've come. And you're like, OK, I'm getting somewhere. It may yeah. not be exactly where you want to be, but, uh, you know, quality and persistence will create success. Yeah, yeah as long as you're one as long as you're farther ahead than you were yesterday, you're on a good path, you know. Yeah, people don't realize that growth is a slow burn and you get caught up in it, you know, where it's just like, okay, you know, like it's been, you know, the last few months, it feels like you know, it's been like kind of like a slow growth. And like you said, you may always feel like nothing's really changed, but in reality, if you look back, then it's like, whoa, it actually has changed quite drastically from there. Because I feel like we all have an ideal kind of like position we want to be in you know or at least the type of work that we want to be doing the type of projects we want to kind of like be able like for example i want to do a little bit more work you know more on the sports and the documentary side of things you know and and then it's just like okay i'm not there yet you know like when when will when will we get there as 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 a business and then it's like oh wait but we've also done all this which will uh which will lend itself to that when we get there you know it's it's crazy how much like growth is a slow burn Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, um, it's great, though, that you know what you want. Um, A lot of people just continue doing things and and let the river take them wherever it may. But for those people who know what they want, they can forge their own path. Uh, You know, you want to do sports and you know, you want to do uh, more documentary. Find those clients pitch yeah. those things get and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but you know what i'm saying um once you know what you want that's the hardest thing figure out what you want and then go after it so yeah you're that's great man there's uh two more things i i want to touch on before we end this but 
I'll be quick. I'm giving long winded answers. No, no, no. I, hey, I love no, it. I, no, no, this is like, to be honest, like we're, we're willing to keep it going as, as long as, you know, cause these are just great conversations to just to even have between the three of us. Right. But, you know, like we also want to be respectful of your time, you know, and not take too much. Right. It's our, I think we've already hit the one hour mark at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, we're past the one hour. But uh, the first one I want to hit on is, uh, and we asked this to, to all the guests. Uh, it's what, what was that one moment in your career that kind of got you to where you are today? Mm. It's like a turning point. Because everyone's had that one turning point. It's always interesting to hear other people's uh, turning points. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I tried to do a short film and I still haven't released it. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but it was almost like I wanted to blend uh, commercial and filmmaking and to kind of blur those lines, kind of giving a story of black and white media. It's just shit sitting on the shelf. I should do something with this. But um, the turning point for me I captured in this film was uh, when I moved to Canada, I was a professional soccer player, but uh, I had to work. I had to do something in the meantime before I figured out what was happening next. I just took a job at a at an Apple store, good with technology and whatnot, always have been. And at, I guess I was like 24, 25 years old. There were like 18 year olds and 19 year olds around. One of the managers was like 23 years old. And here I am sweeping the floor in an Apple store. I'm like, this is, this is terrible. And then they're sitting behind the bar laughing. Like, look at this guy. He's the oldest one here sweeping the floor. And the manager is like, hey, you didn't sweep the corner. So I like dropped the broom and pretty much walked out. And uh, I'm like, this is not happening. And so I think a month later, I started Black and White Media. Um, and at that oh. time, I, was, I wasn't getting paid jack at that time. But I, was, I knew I couldn't be sweeping floors. So um, instead, and I also... Another turning point was when I dropped out of film school. So I, I was going to Sheridan for film, but I knew that I already understood I, I could get, I could learn how to do film techniques. What I wasn't getting was how to run a business, how to communicate, how to do like the business of film. And I know there are courses for that, but I said, listen, I can pay $20,000 a year for four years to, to learn how to do this. Or I can try to start something and maybe not make that much money at the beginning, but I won't be in a, I won't be in debt and I can figure this out. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and you know, the funny thing is after, after what, those four years, I started hiring some of my friends who came out of film school. They obviously were better at me technically, but I was running a business. It was already, it was already motion. And so I feel like I have a I have a head start in that regard. Maybe I don't even count the first four years as business, but by the time I understood what was going on, man, things just start taking off. So yeah. Would, would you say like it was like as soon as you started Black and White Media, it's just been like that, or was there like a specific moment? Like, because what we're curious about is like yes. after you started the company, like. What was that one moment that kind of skyrocketed the business okay. to where you guys are today? Um, let me see. What, what's a one moment? Could be a series too, you know, like, if, you know, like yeah. something led to this, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that one specific one mm -hmm. as well. 
So as a film company, we were seeing success because I would pick up the phone and talk to people and I could, I can convince people this is what you need. But where the real success happened was when I started changing the way we did proposals. Oh, the way okay. we, the way we did proposals was simply like listing what we would do and here's what it would cost. Um, and then sending it off. But what I started to do was think, listen, we're a visual company. This is a great opportunity, not just to show numbers, but like give an idea of who we are, what's this going to look like, show the creative side as well. And so we started putting, uh, building um, these packages in film. They call it like a mood board in the mm -hmm. film industry. Um, it, we started combining the mood board with the estimate and putting videos and like live images and, and creating a presentation rather than just hear some numbers. And man, I tell you, that for me was probably one of the biggest turnarounds that I've seen. And now with those types of things, we're seeing 80, 90% conversion rates when people are already interested. We've already had that conversation and um, they get, they get to understand that we care about their business because in this, in this pitch, in this document, okay, thank you. <laughs> in this document, um, you know, we're showing them how their business should look. We're, we dive deep on their website. We go take pictures from their own website. We take, um, you know, mottos and things like that. And we put it together in a package. So they're like, oh, these people understand us. They mm -hmm. get what they get what we're about. Um, I think we started doing that in uh, 2018. And the one that I do for like my super big clients is actually give them one of those. But I also do a video pitch as well. I'm like, we're, we're selling something here and we're not even using our own product to sell it. So I started making video pitches that go, that work with the, the PDF or the slideshow that they get and they can follow along. And man, that was, people are like, okay, this is impressive. We like it. So it's I like think the, those two things. You basically has, uh, created uh, the black and white media experience and given it to them in a way, right? And something that they can show to other people within their organization. Because it's one thing to pitch in front of one or two people, but then it's like a game of telephone, you know, when you're when you're pitching to people, you know, you may say, you may give the presentation, then they go and tell the higher ups there. But, you know, they didn't, the hires didn't talk to you at that point, you know, but you've essentially solidified it so that they can kind of show it to whoever needs to. So it's a very, very good strategy. Very nice. Very smart. Yeah, we uh, that was, we, we did something similar not, similar, not on the proposal end of things, but for like our, our blog posts, we started making uh, the video equivalent and then putting it in the blog post. And we've yeah. actually found that's a really good resource for us to just um, inform clients of certain things. Like we'll just link the video. Because um, I remember I was talking to Carol, I'm like, look, we're a video production company, but we're doing like text, only text and images for the blog post. But if we just do a video, that would just like, we should be able to do proper content for ourselves. We God need damn, to. We could do we it for to. other people. We could do it for ourselves now. That's so the, we did something similar on that end just for the, the blog videos. We're like, okay, like we'll, we'll, we'll do ones where like, uh, 
uh, how is a video made? Like, how much does a video cost? Uh, like, we've we've simple things. Actually, shown, yeah, simple stuff like that. But they've actually come in really handy because whenever we do have someone reaching out that you know it's the first time making a video, yeah. we'll usually send those two videos and like it kind of explains the whole process, right? Yes, yes. I actually just did a LinkedIn Live for the first time where I was teaching both filmmakers who tuned in and also a ton of my friends and clients tuned in and I was explaining how the process of filmmaking works so they could understand why videos cost what they do and let them think about okay this is where this is where my money is going because a lot of people who do video for the first time don't understand what goes into it they they just see this video and and you know when they're almost trying to sell you on how easy it is to do their video yeah no 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 are you looking for quality or are you looking for crap i mean we're not we're not putting crap out there yeah and uh the cool one is have you, have you seen that triangle before people have uh, a lot of people have seen this on the internet so you you have this triangle and at the top is is quality on this oh, corner yeah. Is, oh yeah 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 you can't this corner <laughs> is speed and this corner is cost yeah. And I share this with them and I say, okay, pick two. And this really gets them to think, okay, this, I, all right. So I can make it fast and I can make it cheap, but it's not going to be good. good yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes. So little, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say little tools like that are, are helpful um, in, in sort of these conversations, but that LinkedIn live was, uh, was great. Got some good feedback from people who didn't really understand the video process. Yeah. So some, a lot of the time, even, um, what kind of goes into that where like they think things are so easy is also because of past experiences that they've had, you know, like sometimes it's almost better to have people who have never done a video, uh, before. So they don't know the process because then we can teach them the right way to do it. There have been times where Dara and I have, uh, been pitching to leads where they, they had like a videographer that came in and did it very simple clearly they weren't happy with it because that's why they were looking for more, but still in their mind, they're, they're thinking it's as easy as that. You know, they just have to go to someone else, but it's like, no, it's not like one person showing up with a camera and then it's, and that's it. You know, it's not as simple. Yeah. People uh, underestimate the power of a good script and a good storyboard. Like Mm -hmm. that's a thing that I, I really have to teach my clients. So whatever scale, Let's plan this out properly so that on the day of production, there are no surprises that we know what we're doing, that, uh, that everybody's on the same page. So. Yeah. Production should be the easiest part of the entire phase. Yeah. It should be the absolute easiest, not the most complicated. Exactly. Yes. Let's see how much time we have. Uh, maybe, maybe two more. The last question is really easy. Um, uh, what, what challenges do you foresee yourself facing in, in the next couple of years? Um, yeah, so like I said, I'm aiming to um, bring the company uh, internationally. So trying to set up shop in Florida this year. That's going to be a huge challenge um, because, you know, my team is going to stay here and, and do everything here. And I do anticipate I'll be going back and forth we already have some pretty big bookings for the, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, the other challenge that I, I've never even mentioned is that uh, I started a film festival here 
in mm. uh, in Oakville. It's called the Oakville Festivals of Film and Art, and that's been going on for about this is our ninth year now. So oh wow! Those two things at the same time. And, oh. Um, I've been the uh, creative director, executive director, and sort of scaling back my role in that company. But uh, to have somebody help them find somebody to fill that role um, as I move forward in, in the United States, it's going to be. But you started a film festival the same, like pretty much around the same time you started your own company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like how? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. Um, you know, when you're young, you can do some pretty amazing things if you put your mind to it. <laughs> no kids, man. You, it's yeah. amazing what you can do with no kids. I love my kids, but <laughs> yeah. Main lesson of the video. Don't have kids until later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I thinking about it. I wish I had my kids when I was younger, to be fair. Like now that I'm in my thirties and I have a bit more wisdom to run the business, I could be focusing a little bit more on the business because I have young kids and I want to, I really do want to pour yeah. into them. So that's where my focus is at right now. And I think, you know, over the next decade or so, I, it's going to be kind of trying to balance those things. Yeah. So to be, I feel like it would be a challenge no matter when you have kids, you know, like twenties or when you're trying to grow your career thirties or when you're really honing in on it. You know, there's really no perfect time. You know, it's no time. yeah. Right. You, you can't, you can't. In business, we can plan everything. Personal life, like to the most extent, but like <laughs> at the same time, it's not, it's not an absolute, right? Yes. If you want to make God laugh, uh, you tell him your plans. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's such a good. Uh, that's a funny piece of wisdom right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Jude. I want to end off on uh, how you got the name for your company. This is ridiculous. Uh, my wife is white and I am black. Um, <laughs> it can't be that simple. <laughs> so this is the funny thing. Um, the motto is actually funnier than, than the name because people, whenever I tell that story, people say the exact same thing. It can't be that simple. <laughs> but, you know, the whole behind after i gave it some thought it's like we want the process to be as simple as black and white for our clients they okay. they show up we give them a product it's simple for them so it's it has a double entendre but you it, found a uh, you found a better uh explanation for it after the fact <laughs> that's right that's right so you know it's it's funny but um that's the truth. <laughs> I like it though. I like, it. especially the the one that you're pitching now, where it's like you want it to be as easy as black and white. That's that's pretty good. I like that. Jude, honestly, man, like I, I feel like such great ideas and insights were shared. You know, and uh, I I think you've had such a unique experience. You know, like kind of jumping into this industry. You know, like that's the one thing Dara and I love about doing this podcast is hearing everyone else's uh, origin story in a way and how how they've navigated the space so thanks again for joining us yeah absolute pleasure guys honestly um at this stage of my career if i can help other filmmakers and maybe be a mentor i i love doing that so thanks for inviting me on it's been wonderful chatting with you <laughs> amazing thank you thank you